Say hi to the fans. Uh, Daniel the is fans. Here. <laughs> Daniel is here from Seattle. He has started his third year in Sojourn Campus Ministry there. And I'm an East Coast guy. When I come out west, I always think of the Western pioneers. <laughs> trudging, forging new land and opening up new areas of territory that were previously untamed. And this is what Daniel's trying to do at the University of Washington. It is at least the same kind of level of challenge. And so we're so thrilled for him and so happy he's here to present for us today. Let me pray for you. Uh, Father, thank you for Daniel. Thank you for Holly. Thank you for the Sojourn team. Uh, bless them. Uh, give, uh, just give Daniel your words, Holy Spirit. That's all we need to hear today. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. And it's in Jesus we all pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being here. I'm impressed at 8:30 class. We've got a pretty full full group. So, congratulations. You're the you're the faithful ones. So, um, I'm really excited and honored to get to talk to you about this topic uh, because this is, you know, I'm younger, but this has kind of been my life work for the last like eight years. Is trying to think about one for myself. How, as a millennial, do I have a faith that makes sense? Not, not a faith that made sense 40 years ago, but what a, a faith that makes sense for today. And then, especially, you know, we're not going to go into the whole story of Sojourn and, and our journey with that, although it was fine, I lived it, it would be a great story. Uh, we, I'm just wanting to get into uh, what's going to be helpful for you guys and what some of the things that we've learned. And so, you know, we were uh, from Arkansas originally, moved to the University of Washington in Seattle, which is about as different as could possibly be. It's what you would imagine, like nothing, nothing alike in any way. Uh, really challenging because so much of the culture that I grew up in is defined by not being the culture that we were going into. Uh, and so it's very challenging. And we really went in as learners. And I really uh, want to say that because of that, I think this, that's, why, uh, that's what I'm going to be sharing, is basically over the last two years, this is what we've learned. And you can take from it what you will. You know, whatever, wherever you're coming from, whatever your experience, uh, as a millennial, with millennials, uh, with this even next generation of Generation Z, uh, you can take from it what you will and hopefully uh, learn from it and take it farther and take it where it needs to go. Um, it's, it really is an honor to get to share that with you because for us, uh, it's a burden of my heart that my generation is known as a, a faithless generation. That's, that's a burden to me. And that's something that I care deeply about. And it's something that, uh, you know, I heard Carlos say, like, things wake him up at, at night. Like, that's the thing that wakes me up at night that I'm always thinking about is how, how can I help my friends, my neighbors, our students know God? How can, how can I introduce them to the creator of the universe and their heart and their life? And I know that if you, you know, took the time and at 8.30 to come to a class about this, that's probably on your heart, too. For the people that you know, your children, your grandchildren, your friends. Um, so thank you for being here. 
Um, so I'm going to get a little bit of water. So I think I'm not going to spend a lot of time on just what millennials are, what Generation Z are. Just Google it, okay? But ba <laughs> basically uh, what, what it is is the time period that we're in now, anybody who's in their 20s and 30s is a millennial. Anyone below that is Generation Z. So uh, we've, I'm 26. Uh, so really all of my experience has been with the younger millennials and then this Generation Z. And by the way, all of this is made up, so it's not like, you know, <laughs> you know, there was like a cutoff and then everything changed. It just, it's like, it's, it's fading and things are continuing to change. And so the real things that have created these generations are things like the internet, right? Uh, I can hardly remember a time before the internet. And that has deeply impacted who I am. Uh, globally, uh, the world is becoming a, a global place where people are connecting in completely different ways than they ever have in the history of humanity. And that is changing who millennials are. Uh, also on a global scale, uh, we're seeing increased urbanization where like, you know, there's like these crazy statistics where, you know, in however many years, like 60% or 70% of the population is going to be in urban areas. That completely changes who you are. There, there's an urban culture and then there's a rural culture. And all of those in our country create uh, what we see in the next generation. And the increased levels of uh, doubt, the increased levels of confusion, the increased levels of uh, post Christianity in so many cities, uh, particularly in the city that we live in, in Seattle. It's, uh, it, when we step onto UW, we are stepping into the future of what the United States is going to be like. And so we see all of those things every single day. And what we call them is our friends. <laughs> they, these are our friends who are the future of what the United States is going to be. And so I'm not going to wow you with any statistics. You've heard them like the the church is in a rough spot. Uh, the next generation is in a rough spot faith-wise. And somebody is going to have to do the hard work of figuring out how do we change to meet the needs of a changing generation in a world that's speeding up exponentially. Like the, the internet, to me the internet is on pace with like, like big moments in history. There's like the taming of fire the wheel and like the, the internet. Like this, this is like a huge thing that is happening that is entirely changing the way that we uh, live and, and the way that humanity interacts with each other. So this is a big deal. And the church, uh, in so many ways, we have not been prepared for that. And so we need to be prepared for that. So I'm glad that you're here so I can share a few things, hopefully it gets you thinking. So as a group, we can move into the future and help people know Jesus. That's the goal. Everything we do is to help people know Jesus. So this is, uh, the class is Creating Faith Communities for Millennials. What I mean by millennials is probably anybody in their 20s and younger. 
Sorry, older millennials. Jared, you're too old. I'm not really talking about you. Uh, you're, you're practically a Gen Xer. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know. So we're really talking about 30s below. And how do we create hospitable environments? A hospitable environment is where the scene is set, the environment and, and all of the things are right for faith to grow well. It's the things where... As best as we can create a place with God, a hospitable environment is where that faith can grow naturally. And it can grow in a way that's, that's healthy. And that's what we're talking about today. And basically, uh, we're going to get to five keys that I've uh, you know, thought through that I believe that God has been revealing to us in our vision for Sojourn. But before that, uh, this is a little bit of the way that I think about uh, ministry. This is my philosophy as we are at Sojourn. Uh, if you think about this board, this is like the continuum of, of you know, spiritual development and health. Like, if you want to, there's like three equal parts, which is convenient. Like, say this is, this is the Christian world, okay? And then in this one... This is like the people who are close to the kingdom. This is like in church growth. They're like these are these are the low hanging fruit. <laughs> and over here, these are the people who are are really far from God. This this is this is the people who their worldview uh, is nowhere close. Maybe they're even committed to another uh, religion. Maybe they're committed to uh, this whatever secularism, whatever it is. Um, so, most of what we do in church is right here. You know, we, we have a worship service, we have small groups, and we try to tweak things right here to try to make it, make it better, make it more attractive to people. And the hope is that this group, who has just a little bit to go, will be able to, like, jump into this, this group, right? So, there, there are people who have the ability spiritually to walk into a worship service and to be able to stick. So what's happening is this group is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where in, in Seattle, our low-hanging fruit, you still have to jump. <laughs> you know, like, you're still, like, reaching. You're still, you still got to build a ladder to be able to get there to get the low-hanging fruit. Like, that, that's where we're at. And that's what's happening as a society. And I think what's, what's really happened is we've bought into this idea of just going after a low-hanging fruit, the people are that are really close who actually basically believe what we do and convincing them to actually live like it, that's where all of our hard work has gone. And so now, all of these people have never really had an opportunity to know God. Because they weren't, they weren't ready. There was, there was no, there's no pathway to get from here to here to there. And so we're paying for that. It's like now, there's like, you know, this sliver, like the, this, is, this is what we're fighting over. <laughs> this is like where, who we're trying to recruit. And then there's all of these people everywhere that they don't really have much of an opportunity to know God. And what's sad about that is that 
this is Can you use a black marker? I can. I can't either. Can you? Thank you. This will be such a great, a bigger point. <laughs> <laughs> That's a marker. That's Jim. You know, these are our friends. These are our neighbors. Who, who is going to put in the hard work for Aiden to know God? Who's going to do it? Because if we, if we all buy into this idea, we're going to look for the, the easiest people. We're going to look for everyone who's ready, and then we're just going to move on. Because if they're not ready, then we'll be wasting our time, and we've got to move on to other people. Well, that's somebody who God cares about. And that's Sojourn. <laughs> that's who we're trying to reach. Is in, in the best way that we can, how do we create a pathway for these people to take steps to God? And in so many places, we glorify this space right here, the space of conversion. And that's our only metric of success. And so with Sojourn, over two years, what's crazy is over two years, we haven't had anybody take this step to this step, but we've had all kinds of people take this step to this step and this step to this step and this step to this step. And people want to say that that doesn't matter. That matters. That's, that's, that's the kingdom. That's what we're trying to do with people. And so for us, as we go on this journey, this is what we're talking about, is how do we create a pathway for our friends, our neighbors, our children, our grandchildren to take all of these steps together to the kingdom instead of just trying to live over here and tweak a few things. And that, that may be valuable, but not enough people are thinking about how do we reach the people who are truly far away, who, who just can't, they're not ready to just walk into a worship service. They're not ready to even study scripture yet. What, what happens to those people? Do they matter to us? And they, they matter to me. <laughs> and I can see in some of your, your eyes, they matter to you. And so that's why uh, I, I hope that these, these five uh, keys to hospitable environments will be helpful for you. And I hope to have a really good discussion afterwards about it. Just curious, where does Joel Miller film strip? <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I, I, I get the reference from last night, but I literally have no idea what that is. <laughs> I'm not so. quite so humorous, but where do our grandchildren who grew up going to church and being a part of church and now are spiritual but not connected with the church? Are they anywhere in this diagram? Yeah, I think, well, I think sometimes they can be 
I, I think sometimes <coughs> people who find themselves in that situation can, can be in this group where it, it is there deep down mm -hmm. and where uh, it's just waiting to bring that out. And whether it's life experience or relationship, just God intervening in their life, uh, it can be there. But then also, I mean, people uh, get burnt. I mean, they get really burnt and never want to go back. And we're gonna, I mean, we're gonna talk about some of those factors a little bit later. But um, I think, I mean, we see that all the time. Of course, I mean, there's, there's, there are just people who have been really burn and they're never going to go back um, unless somebody builds those you know, those pathways for them to come back. Um, so with this first uh, this first key it really begins with an attitude not a method. So today we're not going to be talking about a method, we're not going to be talking about a model of doing church, about doing campus ministry, about doing anything really. It really starts with a particular attitude about the next generation. And so, you know, we could probably go around the room and that would be fun, like what have you heard about millennials, you know, they, they suck, They've, they killed Applebee's and Blockbuster <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, why did they do that? You know, like, for the sake of humanity, we wanted Blockbuster. Um, you know, <laughs> those are like the, the articles that you see. Uh, I read this, uh, this quote the other day. Today's youth are rotten to the core. They're evil, godless, and lazy. They will never be what youth used to be, and they will never be able to preserve our culture. And they're never going to get off my lawn. That's right. That's right. I mean, do you, do you guys hear stuff like that? Okay, so that, that was actually an inscription on a Babylonian tablet from 3,000 years ago. So people have basically been saying the same stereotypical <laughs> things about the next generation forever. Because that's, that's part of being the next generation is your response to the previous generation. Just like if you are older, you were a response to your parents' generation. That's part of the gig. We say you're lazy because you're 20. We say you know, you're closed off because you're older. I mean, it's just part of the, the gig in humanity. But... If we are going to reach the next generation, that cannot be our attitude. And this is just a truth about any kind of work with someone who we're trying to have to know Jesus is you cannot reach people that you rail against. You just can't. And so the very starting point, the first key to creating a hospitable environment is that we believe in the next generation. We wholeheartedly believe in them. We believe that God is not done with them, that they're valuable, that they can take us places where uh, we didn't expect. Like every generation takes us, hopefully, to a place where we need to go because they too have the Spirit of God in them. And that is the fundamental belief and attitude that we've got to bring to create a hospitable environment. It's just a deep belief, and at times, a, uh, at times we have to learn an eternal patience from God. Like, you know, again, with, with this, like, I just think, 
if, if I don't have the patience for, if I barely have the patience for this, these people, like God has had patience with us Amen. for years, for forever, for thousands of years, and for our entire lives, he has eternal patience with us. And so with this attitude, we have to learn that patience. We have to bring this attitude of we believe in the next generation, even if I don't fully understand it. You know, even if, you know, with, you're working with millennials and you're like, I don't like avocado toast. You know, you're like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't, dogs are not that great. You know, it's like, you just don't get it. That's okay. Like, still, you've got to, even still, you've got to believe in the next generation. And if you, you know, get on avocado toast, then that's great. So, um, because each following generation has the spirit of God in them and there is just a reality that this is all we've got. So we have to make the most of what we have. This is a John Maxwell quote. The, the pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change, but the leader adjusts the sails. So a pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change, but the leader changes the sails. The, the millennial generation and this Generation Z, whatever they become, to a great degree, they just are going. Like the experiences that they have are going to create them the way that they're going to be. And if we're seeking to help them in the midst of that know Jesus, then we can't complain about it. We can't believe that it's, you know, like they're going to figure it out and then they're going to become like us. And we've got to change the sails. We have to figure out how do we create the pathway for them to know God, even if it's different than in the past. And so the first key is attitude, not method. And really for us, that's the, these next four, that's what that grows out of. It grows out of this, this attitude of God is working. He is working in our generation for, for us to know God. And, and we believe in that. And we're going to find that. <laughs> I, I'm going to look and look and look until I find it and join in it. And that's the first key. The second key is uh, we're trying to create forums rather than stages. So forums are places where everyone is able to come and everyone has an equal voice and footing. Stages uh, are where one person is raised up and they get a voice and everyone else listens. And not, not to be like, um, not to get like too philosophical about this, but like this is the postmodern critique. So we hear that we're living in a postmodern world. This is the postmodern critique that uh, People have been on stages where some people, their voice is elevated in a way that silences other people's voices. And so what we're trying to do is create a place where that playing field is leveled, where everyone, no matter who they are, whether they're way out here or way over here, can have a voice and join in the forum. 
So, you know, uh, when we were at going to UW, we looked into, uh, just got to know a lot of the other campus ministers, just saw what, what were they doing on campus, what was God doing on campus. And so it, kind of what we found was, like, the, the worship service, like, that was, that was met. You know, like, there, there are a lot of really great places where people can get that experience. They can worship God in, in, in a really incredible way. But for us, there wasn't very many places where this group can actually have a conversation with this group and it be productive. And that's basically like our world. Like we don't ever have conversations. We don't ever have conversations that go well between the, these people who are, are actually far off and these people who are like, you know, we're like in, in the kingdom. You know, we're in the center. We talk like that. We, we speak in like all of these weird ways that no one else understands. Like, this is, this is what we're trying to create with the forum, is bringing those two worlds together. So for us, like, our, our main event in a week is called Engage. And that's the entire idea of the thing, is we come together, we have a discussion about an, an important topic. Like, you know, this, this quarter, um, we talked about consumerism. Uh, last night they were talking about poverty and homelessness. It's, it's a discussion that is on students' minds that matters in our world, but that anyone can come into and engage with. And so the people who are out here, they get to hear, what does a Christian think about these things? What, what, what does a Christian worldview look like when it engages with a topic like consumerism, or homelessness, or uh, sexual assault. What, what does that look like? And then over here, we've got students who, I mean, it's like, we, so many of us, we're surrounded by people who don't know God, but we have no idea what they think. We, we have no real conversations with them. So over here, we're discipling students to understand people who live in this world. And so we're bringing both of those together and discipling on both sides. Does that make sense? Am I, okay, so like we're, we're bringing both of those together into a common forum to have important discussions about faith and life and things that matter in our world. And so that's step one is how do we elevate everyone's voice, no matter who they are, where they are spiritually, what they look like, what their race is, how much wealth they have? How do we elevate all of those things and us have an equal playing field? And one of the really beautiful things about that is when we do that, one, we gain people's trust and respect. That's not given for millennials. Like, like you, you do not have... And I understand this can be frustrating for for older generations, but like you just don't get that same respect that probably uh, younger generations used to give to older generations. And that's frustrating. Uh, I mean, that's something that I don't particularly like. But nonetheless, it doesn't help to complain about it. We've got to figure out ways to gain that respect and gain that trust and have people know that we love them. 
I, w- I love you. I care about you. And I am going to share who I am. And you can share who you are without me berating you about it. And that's the idea of this, this forum. And I think what, what's cool about that is that allows us to be impacted by the people that we are seeking to reach. Because we believe that God is working in their life. And he has revealed things to them that maybe I don't understand because of my position. And that's really neat. When, when you do that, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Because then we are becoming evangelized even as we seek to evangelize the people around us. And that's really neat. This third one is important. They're all important, I think. <laughs> this one's particularly good. No, okay. Um, the third one is uh, holistic, not fragmented. Okay, so we, we live in incredibly, I think in, in some ways, like the world is a little bit more complicated than it used to be because of the global factors, because of the internet. Like, I mean, even, like I said, I'm 26, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be 18 right now. And, and frankly, I, I'm, like if I grew up in Seattle, I would not be a Christian. Like, it just is an incredibly complicated time to live and, and try to believe. I mean, it, it just is the world, like, there's unprecedented knowledge about what, like, instant knowledge about what's going on around the world and, and the way that other people think. And that's just, like, I think in people's minds, it's so hard to comprehend. At times, it's very hard for me to comprehend. And so all of our lives are fragmented and compartmentalized in so many ways and a lot of the things that we do at sojourn is trying to bring all of those things back together it's trying to give people a holistic view of what faith looks like and what a christian worldview looks like so uh, you know like this this whole idea of like these are the spiritual things and that's what the church does and these are like the non-spiritual things, that's what the world does. Like, that's, that's not going to be very helpful. Because students, uh, millennials, Gen, Gen Zers, they are wanting an integrated life. They're wanting to have uh, a life that makes sense, all of it together. They're wanting to have integrity and congruence. They just have no idea how to, how to do it. Because we're young, <laughs> you know? Like, we just don't know how to do it. And we don't have guides telling us, how do I have a Christian worldview in a world that's way more complicated than it, than it used to be? And so for us, how do we bring those fragments back into a holistic vision for what, what discipleship is? And... Um, Go back to my notes. Um, so one of the ways that we do this is connecting with other registered student organization uh, organizations on campus. So one of them that has been a really cool relationship is the, the sexual assault and relationship, relationship violence activists on campus. So as, as a group, I mean, where's my, where's the black marker? Goodness. Okay. So as a group, Sarva 
is about way out here. Like they're they're just like, you know, that's Sarva. Um, just people who are drawn into that world, the church has really burned a lot of times, and religious people have really burned a lot of times. But then at the same time, God cares about sexual assault. He cares about ending sexual assault and relationship violence. He cares about creating safe, hospitable environments for all people. So this, even though it's way out there, is something that God cares about. And in the holistic, yeah, it's not uh, like there's not like a, a verse that you can, you know, like proof text to say like this is something or whatever or it's not like directly talking about, they don't say like we're doing this because of Jesus but nonetheless in the, in the holistic view of the Christian worldview, when we're bringing all of those fragments together to understand how to live and act in our world, Sarva matters and so we connect with Sarva, we participate in some of their events they even let me lead one of their events. It was absurd. Like, I, you know, I did, and that was like our first year that we were there. It's crazy. They, they asked me to lead this event about uh, men and the Me Too movement. That was awesome. That was awesome. And it was just because we said, look, this is a group that even though they are far from the kingdom, a lot of the people that are going to be part of it are not going to be naturally inclined to have Christian faith to you know join whatever whatever we're going to connect with them because they're doing good work they're doing something that Christians should care about yeah. so when we try when we're trying to make our place a better place there's somebody who's trying to do that in, in one area so when we're bringing all of those fragments together we're going to connect with groups like that to help them know God but then also help all of these people know that God cares about what they're doing. God cares about what they're doing. And that, you know, if you're aware of all these things going on in our culture, that, that really is also a, um, it's an apologetic. It's an apologetic for the church. Is that, hey, we're taking responsibility for these things. We're, the days are over when we brush those under the table. And so we do things like that and with, with other groups that are doing good work. Again, to disciple both ways. Um, so, you know, in closing with that, we can't just teach people random. Again, with, in discipleship, we can't just teach millennials random Bible stuff. We have to give them a holistic view of what does it look like as a Christian to live in the world that I'm living in now. Like, not just on Sundays, not just about reading, you know, not just like read my Bible and that's it. How, how do I engage with the, in a world that is confusing? How do I engage in a world where there are people living on the streets and die every year in Seattle? How do I live in a world where there are people starving, there are people uh, who are being assaulted, 
I mean, you know, in, in Seattle, I mean, this, this is always like a contentious topic, I don't know. But like, you know, in a world where like we don't know if the actual like environment is going to work long term, like these are the kinds of questions that students that we engage with every day are interacting with. So if we're not engaging with that, we're not engaging with anything. <laughs> we are not helping them understand the, the world that they live in. Uh, this is the world that we live in, and God cares about it. So we've got to help bring those fragments together and give them a holistic view of faith. Um, if that, that, that was like, you know, bringing up in the environment, I, you know, that was like a, a test subject. This one will be a little bit harder. So I was <laughs> Okay, um, so, and, and really, I mean, I, I want to say this clearly, but not, I don't hear this as like, that I'm berating you or anything like that. I mean, I, I know this is a deeply held belief. Um, so the fourth key is we've got to help people be global, not national. Okay, so... All right, we'll, we'll like wade in slowly. Okay, so look, the United States is changing very fastly, fastly, very quickly. Uh, so uh, America is changing very quick. Um, you know, America has always had this idea of being a melting pot. And the, the issue is that for a long time, that melting pot was generally white Christians from Europe. So that was easier to come together because there was difference, but then there was also a lot of similarity. Okay, the way that the United States is changing now is that is not the case. There are people from around the world look different, act different, think different, and all of those people are coming into our largest cities and creating one culture together and trying to figure out how do we live together. Like uh, the city of Seattle is a global city. Uh, the University of Washington is a global university. Uh, at, at our university, it's like the racial breakdown, it's like there's 34% white, 30% uh, Asian background, and then like another 30% that's everyone else. It's like a mix of everything. Um, so there's not that really strong white majority or whatever. And certainly not a very strong Christian majority, <laughs> to say the least, at the University of Washington. So again, every day when we step on the campus, we're stepping into the world you are going to be living in in the future, wherever you are. And we, what's up? I preached for the church in Ventura, 50 miles up the road. Considered Metro LA, but really on the very fringes of the city of 120,000 people. Our congregation of 150 had people from nine different countries, all five races. Yeah. And that's, that's everywhere. So it's not just metropolitan yeah. area, it's suburban as well. Yeah. And that's a good point. I mean, that's, it, it's it, like it starts in those urban areas and now it's, spreading and that will be that is the future of our country and so really the point that I'm trying to make is uh, we have got to help people understand and have a global faith 
not a national thing. Like, and I'll, I'll say this very gently, like, you know, the days of white uh, Republican evangelicalism, those days are very numbered. Like, we, we have to unhitch the wagon and be able to repent of some of the things we need to repent of and move forward because I promise you this generation will not tolerate a lot of those things. They, they will not tolerate a faith that is uh, seen as a white faith. Even, even for white students, they, just, they will not tolerate it because they live in a world that is global. And they have friends and family members and neighbors who are not like that, who are hurt by that. They, we live in a world where that faith is no longer going to make sense. It just isn't. And that can be challenging, but I promise for these people, they are going to be blessed if we can reignite this passion for not just our nation, but for the kingdom of God. We... We are in the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is in heaven. God cares about all people everywhere. And if heaven is going to be people of all races and nationalities and tongues, then we should probably get used to it now. Or we're going to heaven, you know, heaven's going to be awkward. It's like, this is going to suck. You know, we've got a lot of room to go. This that is the vision of the kingdom of heaven. We, we have to relive into that. And again, be challenged by uh, a growing global awareness, a growing uh, awareness of our own uh, American and Christian history. You know, if you, if you go to a university like the University of Washington, the overwhelming worldview that they are trying to create uh, and are creating it is everything to a large degree is filtered through uh, colonialism and Christians uh, their way of the, the way that we uh, colluded in that and participated in that the way that white people uh, did that and the way that it impacted the world and so that happened, you know, some, you know, five, three hundred years ago. But even now, we're feeling the pushback of bad, you know, the blowback of bad theology for so long. And the, the harmful things that took place in that. And I think as people of faith, if we are going to reach the next generation who is very much aware of those things in a way that we haven't in the past, we have to own up to it. And we've got to be better, we've got to get better, and we've got to help them understand a world that beyond that, where we're, we are trying to live together and love all people because God loves all people. Because that's the kingdom. It's not, it's not this nation, it's not any, any other nation. It is a global faith. And we've got to help people understand that. Uh, the fifth key is... And so, again, like, before we move on, 
I think we have the we we have the spiritual things to do that. The kingdom we emphasize the kingdom of God at Sojourn because that is all the spiritual resources you need to understand that context. Like we are sojourners. <laughs> we are exiles in in this life and that's how we if we live like that, if we learn and train people to live like that, they're going to understand this world and they're going to love people in a completely new way and so that's our goal with that uh the fifth one is is really simple uh we've got to empower and not enable we've got to empower not enable uh if you're not giving ways for people to serve and contribute you are enabling them like, uh, partic- like if, if you're a leader of a, of a church or a campus ministry, some organization, you're the one who sets up the pieces of how something works. If you're not creating places for people to serve, contribute, uh, lead, then you are enabling them. You are enabling them to consume. And the cool thing about uh, the, the millennials that I know is, they want to serve. <laughs> like, it, it, may be, it may be a misplaced desire, but this generation wants to change the world. They want to do it. They want to make the world a better place. So if we give them practical steps, practical ways to do that, they will, they will come into it. They want to contribute, not consume. They want to do that. So if we'll give them the places to do that, They'll live into it, you know, because millennials are not, uh, we're just not the generation that is like, we're going to spend 40 years paying our dues, you know, to like do whatever to get to that leadership position. It's just not the world that we live in anymore. Like, think about this example, like somebody like uh, Justin Bieber, you know, the Biebs, he's like, like he, we live in a world where someone like him in the music industry can upload videos onto the internet and make it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You know, like before there were all of these gatekeepers where like you have to, you know, do some gigs, you have to uh, go to a label, you have to have a label and like all of these things that you have to do to make it in the music in- industry. And now all you have to do is have an email address. Like, really, you just have to have an email address, be able to, like, click and shoot on Instagram, and then if you can, like, if you can play a little bit, you'll do all right. You know, it's completely bypassed all of those gatekeepers where people can get to where they're going without spending all of that time. And that's that's just, I, I don't know what to say, that's just the world that we live in now. But the good thing about that is, if you will give people the places to serve and contribute, then they'll rise to it. And so, you know, we've done that in a million different ways. You know, college, college students say they're poor. We ask them to bring chips. You know, they're contributing. <laughs> they brought chips. You know, there's, uh, you know, even this idea of the forum. That's a way of them contributing their voice and participating in the conversation. You know, asking them to serve on campus with SARVA. Uh, asking them to serve with, uh, we, there's a, a young adult shelter for homeless youth right, right across the street from campus. Asking them to serve and, 
and calling them to to come into that, whether, you know, wherever they are spiritually, to come into something like that. We've got to empower them, not enable them to be consumers. Because, again, that's part of the whole thing that got us to where we are now. <laughs> we've, we've got to move past what's got us uh, where we are now and move into the future. Uh, and hopefully that's going to give us a way to repent of a lot of the things that we've done in the past and move into a new phase of faith. And that, to me, is really exciting. Uh, one, of the, one of the cool things, um, just to kind of draw some of these points together uh, that we just started, is a men's non-toxic masculinity group. <laughs> so this was kind of fun. It's just like, at, at Sojourn, Sojourn is basically like the R&D of, you know, the Christian world. We just try stuff and see if it works out, and half of it doesn't, and half of it does. And so, with this, the whole idea is how do we take an accountability? We, we heard from students. We've got some, some guys in particular say, I'm struggling with pornography. Uh, I, I'm struggling with that. I need accountability. I need help with that. So, okay, how do we take account, an accountability group? Which those are not fun, you know. Like, like it's like meeting with your parole officer. It's like, oh man. I mean, it's just not fun. So, how do we take an accountability group and run it through a lot of these keys to help the whole spectrum take steps? So, what we did is, I've got three guys who are really amazing guys who are discipling their Christians. Take those three. They're the ones who originally said, we, we need a group like this. Take that and then build a group that can reach all of this where we're talking about what does it mean to be better men? What does it mean to be better men without all of the misogynistic stuff, without the assaulting, without the harassing? Like, how do we be men as God intended? And how do we invite our friends into that journey, even if they don't believe. Because I believe that, you know, on campus there's plenty of guys who want to be better men. They may not want to be like Jesus yet, but they want to be better men. And whether we call it, you know, this is what Jesus said or whatever, or like we're teaching them, you know, what Jesus said about how to, how to be a man, how to be a person in our world in a healthy way. So we created this group where our guys are learning how to net fish together, where they can invite their friends into this group where their friends are going to, one, get to experience something that I think is really valuable and also experience uh, trusting a Christian, trusting and knowing other Christian guys, which is a step towards faith. That, is, that, is a, that maybe is the first incredible step that you take towards faith. So we're getting to net fish together with these guys, but then also connect with their friends, my friends, who want to join in into this discussion. And it was fun. I mean, it's just, when you do stuff like that, it's wild. Like, one, you know, at one point we're talking about, you know, how do you have a committed relationship in marriage that's 
that's pure. Uh, and then the other, you know, and then the next second, we're talking about how do you make a friends with benefits contract? Like, that's where some of our guys are at. It's like that conversation is happening at the same time. <laughs> like, you know, and it's like I'm over there just like trying stuff out. I'm like, you know, because to me, like, well, like with that example, with like a friends with benefits, like every sitcom has even taught us that never works. You know, like that literally never works. And so that's part of like the discussion is like, okay, that's where my friend is at. That is what he cares about. And I'm trying to work in that world to help him grow, to help him in his life grow. And he's getting to hear Okay, how does Joseph think about that? How does Nathaniel think about that? Because they're bringing their whole selves to. They're bringing their Christian worldview into the forum discussion. And so he's understanding, we hope, maybe this is not, maybe there's more. You know, maybe there's more. And over time, I believe that's what builds the pathway. If we can get the people in the right discussions, get them trusting each other, get them respecting each other, get them loving each other, then we can build the steps. You know, it's like that's, that, that group is way out here. You know, and then we have an, an explore like discovery Bible study. And it's out here. It's like we're inviting the people, okay, you've been part of this group. Okay, do you want to know more about Jesus? So then, you know, they're, they're exploring. And it's like, okay, how do we go deeper? And how do we go deeper? And then how do we teach our students that if you're a disciple, you're making disciples. How do we help them take steps? And if we can build that pathway, then I truly believe that our generation my generation can know God and that this next generation can know God because I firmly believe that God is not done with us. Jesus is not done. There is good and he is working. If we have the eyes to see it, if we have the eyes and minds to jump in with him. And sometimes it's in a deep end. <laughs> Oftentimes it has been where I'm like, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. And you're just left with, I will try to love people. I'll try to share my whole self of who I am, what I know about Jesus, and hope that that will be good enough and invite people into these next steps. So those are the five keys that we've learned about creating hospitable environments. Uh, I hope that was helpful for you. Uh, does anybody have any questions? Yeah, what's up? How do you deal with the relativism, you know, 